0: I'm so The Big
1: Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 12.80. The Zone, it's time to talk some jazz basketball with the voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Uh, his uh, interview brought to you each and every week by our good friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. Out to the Zone phone we go. Uh, we go. He is David Locke with us here on The Big Show. What's up, David? Not much. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing great. Um, how much? Uh, I just saw that uh, Park City got 12 inches of snow today. Is that true? How it much snow did you got there?
0: It was dumping snow when I came over Parley Summit this morning. Um, I did not ski today; I had some things I needed to do. Um, so, uh, but it was it was like actually a hellacious drive this morning.
1: I bet, yeah, with all that wind too. I mean, I, I was blown all over the road last night going home. It was nuts.
0: Yeah, it was it was, uh, uh, was alright. But I was in my Murdoch uh, Elantra, so I was there fine. You Go.
1: So you were good to <laughs> there go. There you go.
0: It, Sponsorship plug snow? right there.
2: Is that wet no. snow good to ski on, or is it? No, uh, yeah. hmm. no okay. it is
0: not. It is not as good as the great Utah powder. But I would say, not that anybody really, really cares, but I would say that the three days I had, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, were three of the most fun days that I've had in a long time skiing. They were not powder. They were just... That corn, that inch of butter, that was just—I was on my son's World Cup slalom skis. I had truly, truly had as most fun as I've had on the mountain in three straight days in a long, long, long time. It was, it was, it was awesome this week.
1: So, David, we have a couple of, uh, of nights off. I say we, you and I do, but the team, of course, as well. And uh, you know, fatigue has has been a hotly debated topic. And uh, I even saw today ESPN released a piece about uh, NBA personnel see a link between compressed schedule and rash of injuries, so it's being examined on a number of different levels. And I know we've asked you about it before, but this wonky season with all these games so close together, what effect do you think it's having?
0: So on the injury thing, I'm I'm actually a little doubtful on it. I I, I have not read the ESPN article. I apologize. So if I'm wrong on I, I I actually sent a text message. Who wrote it? By the way, I'm curious because I sent a text message to Pelton today that Baxter I need to talk to. Baxter
1: Holmes.
0: Oh, uh, so Baxter's really good at this stuff. He's a great writer, but I um I know Baxter well. I'll have to I'll read it and then reach out to him. Um, so I um I'm actually I'm actually. Don't feel as though there's been more injuries this year. What I, I do, and maybe Baxter's got data that proves otherwise. I, I would need data to show me there's been more injuries this year. What I think's happened this year is two things. When there are injuries because you're now playing four or five games a week instead of three, you're missing many more games. Probably playing four games, right? We do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, like every week for the rest of the year. Like, that's unusual. Um, And so if you miss a week now, instead of missing two or three games, you're missing four. So when Anthony Davis goes and misses a bunch of time, he's missing 25 games. I also feel like because the season kind of ran up on each other, that guys are more willing to sit out extended periods right now. Um, Maybe not. Maybe that's not true. Um, You know, an injury is an injury, right? LeBron had a high ankle sprain. He's out for a long time. Um, So I'd be curious to see the data. Um, obviously our MVP candidates are all kind of injured. But, you know, Clay Thompson was injured the year before, and Steph Curry was injured the year before that. Like, I don't I, – what I actually think is that the game's really, really hard. Like, so I'm hoping Ron's not listening right now because – and actually I have joke about this, but, like, I don't want to pigeonhole Ron the wrong way on this because I actually think the exact opposite is true. I think the greatest – uh, attribute of Ron Boone as a broadcaster is that at 70 something years old, he has this, he embraces the new game and adapts to it and enjoys it rather than the, you know, old school guy sitting on his TNT desk. I mean, anywhere who is always complaining about the new game and how ridiculous it is without any understanding. But like, I do think that the biggest difference in the game today, even from Stockton Malone, even from, and then definitely you're past that to Bird Magic. One is you're you're in the same amount of time you're going up and down the floor twenty extra times. So that's a lot, right? We were playing ninety possessions a game offensively. We're now playing a hundred. That's a twelve percent increase, and we're doing it's on both sides of the floor, right? So we used to play one hundred and eighty times, now we're playing two hundred. Like that's a lot, and if you remember. Don Nelson's teams used to play at a faster pace than everyone and have a ton of injuries. Like, I remember one of the most interesting pieces I ever read was a Scott Osler piece, like those, Gordon, you know, those pieces that, like, make you become a journalist. Like, this was, like, the piece that as a kid I remember reading and being like, oh, I want to do that. And he analyzed, like, well, if the Warriors are playing, you know, eight possessions more than the rest of the league and they're doing it on both sides of the floor and it's 16 possessions and they play 80 games, their guys are running up and down the floor like the equivalent of 10 more games. And they were having all these injuries. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. So I think first thing that's happening is that we're playing so much faster that everyone's playing a lot more, which increases injury. The second thing is defense is hard now. So defense used to be you just guarded your man, and you stayed on your man, you just stayed with him, and that was it. And maybe the most outrageous movement is that they went into the post and Malone, and someone brought a double team, and you kind of had to rotate out. Like, that would be the most movement you made in the 90s. In the 80s, you just guarded your man. Go watch Larry Bird, like, pass to Kevin McHale. Nobody leaves their man. Now, every possession, you're shifting, you're rotating, you're coming over, you're switching. There's a pick and there's, We've gone from, like, 30 pick-and-rolls to 80 pick-and-rolls a game on every side. Like, the burden on the player... Is so much more than it's ever been before. And that's why we're having injuries. So, sorry, long answer. I've actually been thinking about this a good deal in the last few days, obviously because of Jamal Murray, but even before that. The other thing I would go back to is a conversation I had with Mike Elliott, who is the jazz you know, health guru. And he was saying that the peak for a player is to play every other day. Now, when we go play three and four and five and seven, we're getting over that a little bit right now. But he actually was saying that the uh, – remember, we had a rash of injuries two years ago in the league when they opened up the schedule, and there was a feeling that that actually could have been part of the reason, that they opened up the schedule and all of a sudden players are getting three days off and then trying to come back and having muscle tears. So the peak for a player actually is to get at peak performance and stay there. The problem is, is when you tire out, and that's when we're playing these back-to-backs. You want one more thought? Sure. There's a a data piece out there that, well, I really am diarrhea of the mouth today. I'm sorry. Uh, There's a data piece out there that players who play on the second game of back-to-back are like 8% slower if they've played X amount of minutes on the night before. I actually think teams should play an A team and a B team on back-to-backs. So, and you have to decide two things. One is which of your players at 7% slower, whatever it is, are actually not very good. And which of your players, Rudy Gobert, at 7% slower are so great it doesn't matter. But you also might just preserve their health. So you might just decide, like, all right, well, if we're playing Friday, Saturday, then we're going to play Donovan one night, Mike the other. Joe will play on the night with Donovan, so we have a point guard. Mike will, you know, like, Jordan Clarkson plays with Mike and like, and then Royce plays one night and not the other. And Rudy plays one night and faves up, not the other. And so, and I'm leaving out, let's see, George Niang, but otherwise that's your eight man rotation and all your guys are playing over 25 minutes a night and you just split them up. And then your Mia Onis, your Darrell Brantley's, your Ursa Ilya they play both nights because they're actually not playing enough minutes that they get slower. So you take your core rotation guys and just divide your A team and your B team. You might lose both. It might not be worth it, but it's an interest. If I was a general manager of a team, I think I would build a team with that concept in mind for for trying to play two games.
2: So you brushed up against this question already, David, but I've been told that you have a strong opinion about it specifically. So within the context of of expending energy to win games, how important is it for the Jazz to finish number one in the West?
0: I think the number one seed's really important. It actually might be sliding a little less important with the fact that it's so clearly now likely to be the Lakers in the second round, just the way the last week is played. But, frankly, I think the Clippers are the best team in the West. I've thought that the whole year. The data shows that to me. I actually had, frankly, I had Denver as pretty close to – the second best team in the West until the injury. Um, so I, um, so, I mean, that's just tragic, but, uh, I think that I think the one seed is massively important for three reasons. Um, one is by playing one is there's seven, I think there's seven really great teams in the West. Maybe there's only six and you, and that would, you know, if it depends what you think of Portland on this, uh, and then you're playing someone else. I think that's now that someone else could be Steph or Zion, so that's not great. But in you know, I'd rather be five in the East in my first round matchup than one in the West. How's that? <laughs> I'd rather play Atlanta in the first round than Zion or Steph. But um, so I think that's a big deal. I think I think the eight seed is going to be a much easier team to play than six or or seven. Uh, you know, you're not sure what it's going to be, but I'm I'm just presuming that portland wins that game and if portland doesn't win that game then you know you're guaranteed then they're not right um number two is that the eight seed in the new structure and the new structure is that seven plays eight in the play-in tournament and the loser then plays the winner of nine ten means that the eight seed will have already played two playoff games and have no time to prep for you so i think that's super important three is like there's a chance we could have, like, eight or 10,000 people in the building by then. Right? Chance. Hopefully. Maybe it's more. I don't know. Um, I, I made up that number, but I'm just kind of – it's the natural progression. What? We're at 5,500. We keep – people keep getting vaccinated. We keep making progress. Like, hopefully. Um. So, I think we – you know, and I think the third piece is I think the five – well, now four – Dominant teams in the West are really, really close. Like, our record's better than anyone else, but we're not way better than the Lakers, and we're not way better than the other teams. I'm sorry if our fans want to believe that. There's, I mean, we've just been healthier. Honestly, I'm not trying to diminish, dismiss what we've done. What we've done is amazing. We deserve credit for health. But, like, the other night was the first time we've played a game missing two rotation players. The Clippers have played like 25 of those. The Lakers have played about 40 of those. The Phoenix has played very few of those. That's why they are where they are in the standings. Uh, Denver has now played a huge amount of those. Dallas has been crippled by COVID. So a lot of what I think is separating one through six right now has been the team's abilities to stay healthy and the ability to follow COVID protocols. They, and you deserve great credit for that. But if we're all healthy and we're getting into playoffs and none of that stuff matters anymore, Let's take advantage of what we did well this year, which is to stay healthy and, you know, manage our minutes and avoid COVID and let's take that one seed and go with it. So sorry. You guys, This is like a one question interview. I've had a really emotionally long day. And so this has been a great respite. How's that? Uh, it's been,
1: been great. And you honestly have a long way to go to match our guy, Frank Layton, when it comes to fewest questions asked in an interview, because uh, Frank, he's full of information and just lets it go so you're 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 good buddy you're you're all good
2: uh, i want to ask a whole you, lot it's a whole lot better david than trying to drag something out of Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. amen to that uh want to ask you about the play-in scenario david with the the play-in tournament and this is kind of a multi-part uh, question one your overall thoughts on it two do you think it's here to stay and three what did you think about mark cuban and uh, luca grousen about it yesterday
0: I love the play-in tournament. I think it's the best additional league in a long time. Um, in fact, like, the Lakers' injuries would have been just an irrelevant story, but instead it became a story of whether they might go to the play-in game. Um, I I think it's preventing tanking. Like, Washington, we beat Washington by 20 the other night if there's no play-in game. <laughs> like, they're not playing Bradley Beal. Like, they're shitting got Entertainment value way up. There's only, uh, what, probably six teams in the NBA that are not trying to make the playing game right now? Minnesota, only because they're just terrible. I mean, they didn't mean to. They just turned out to be terrible and had injuries. Oklahoma City and Houston, right? Right. And in the East, Cleveland, not because they wanted to, but just because they're terrible. Um and I don't I'm forgetting two other teams in the East that aren't very good. Detroit. So there's six teams that aren't trying. Like that's pretty good to have twenty, four or thirty teams competing right now. Like Sacramento like won five in a row and their fan base was all fired up like they're gonna make the playing game and like it matters. I think it's gonna be great. And so, one of the playing games is gonna be like Steph or Zion. Yeah.
2: I agree with you, David. I think it's, a, I think it's a pretty cool innovation.
0: I hope and like, keep it. And, and, and I didn't actually hear Cuban, so I apologize. And I saw, I didn't see it. I saw the headline on the Jazz TV last night, but I haven't heard it. Um, uh, like I don't know what the gripe is. Like the eighth place team and the seventh place teams, other than like the year Dikembe won, and there was a. Um, a seventh seed that won an interesting first round playoff game a few years ago, Uh, I think it was Portland, New Orleans, when Portland fell and New Orleans got them. But it's not like they're really like, come on, be honest. Like you're not like you're seven or eight for a season. You're not competing for a title. So, so what if you actually get knocked out because you don't win the playing game? Like I'm not buying that. That's like some great disservice to the game. And if the east and west inequality is so dramatic that the west seven team is good, then fix it west and east inequality, and have a 16 team playoff with the and do a play in tournament with the final eight spot eight teams, and stretch it out to the same way to 20. Like do it that way. But and then we really don't have, then you really don't have a gripe, right? Like that's a better answer, is have 12 teams make the playoffs and then have a have some sort of play in tournament for the final four seats.
2: What do you think of that, Jake?
1: I, I I think it's interesting. I like what David said about tanking. I I think that that is an issue uh, for the uh, for the NBA. I just don't know if I want to see this be permanent.
2: Wait,
0: why don't you like I it? I like
2: it. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's he's, okay. He, he's
2: he thinks it diminishes the regular season. I right? do.
0: I
1: do
2: think it. does. Okay. The other
0: one we got to do is Elon scoring. That's the other change. This is the first good change. The next one is Elon scoring. I
1: know, I've heard you talk about this a lot, and this this is much more radical. On
0: this. Yeah. I'm 100% in on this. Like, 100% in on... You... It's an entertainment business. If you have... Elon scoring, for those who don't know what it is, is you take the score at the end of the third quarter and you add, like, let's just say, 25 points to the leading team, and the game is over when that team gets to that point. So someone has 75 points, you add 25, first team to 100 wins. You then have... Two things. One is you have a game-winning basket every night. Like, that's exciting, right? Like, if you're a fan, you're going to stay to the end, be there, and even if it's Mia Oni laying it up and in, but if it's not, like, there. Can you imagine what it would be like when it's 99-99? Or how about you bring the ball up at 98-97? Like, do you shoot the three? Do you go for a two? Oh, like, the, the ball in the air for the game, like, It's entertainment. This would peak entertainment through the roof. This is like we're not in, like, let's be honest about what we're – people are buying tickets, listening, watching on TV. Like, it's for entertainment. I I always believe in this. This is like Major League Baseball should have a home run derby instead of extra innings. The bottom line on ESPN – now I understand people are watching OTT and everything else. Or, fine, notification on your text message, the new modern version of that. If you got a a notification – That they're within 10 points of the Elam number in the Clippers-Bucks game, and it's tied at 93. Are you turning it on? You think so? You bet. Yeah. You bet. Same way if the Yankees and Red Sox are playing and they're going to extra innings, you're not going to it. But if they tell you it's home run derby, you're going to it. It's the most highly rated moment of the game, of the season, home run derby. Like, it's entertainment. Elon scoring is so good. And even on a non-exciting game. Like, on an exciting game, it's a no-brainer. What I just, like, what I just described is the best. But on a non-exciting game, it's even great. So, we're up last night against Oklahoma City by 20 going to the fourth quarter. We set a number. Like, everyone, the last action by a fan is, woohoo and high-fiving their kid, we won. Right now, the last action is, hey, son, four minutes left, let's go. Let's get you home from bed. That sucks. (laughs) So, uh,
2: if you were going to forecast, what do you think the likelihood is that something like that could actually be changed over, say, the next 10 or 15 years?
0: I think it'll happen. Um, The only thing that has to happen is you have to decide that when someone's within – when someone gets within 17 points and someone gets within 8 points, you have mandatory timeouts. I kind of like
2: this idea.
0: I, I'm certain it's going to happen. Like, they're doing it in the All-Star game. They're going to sample it the G League next, and then it's going to happen. It's a better game. It's just better. Like, we're in entertainment business. It's just better. There's actually no good reason to not do it. And by the way, I don't mean this offensively, like, and I should use players that aren't in our era. No one goes to a game and pays $150 to watch Elijah Hughes, Mia Oney, and Jarell Brantley. I like him. I think they all got a chance to play in our league. But that's not why you paid 150 bucks, Right?
2: I think you're right. Jake, you're and I really, be- I
0: really believe in, like, the fine <laughs> – like, how pitiful – like, so I'll stop here and let you guys have your show back at some point. This has just been very blissful for me. Um, so – Think about what the arena looks like with three minutes left in a 20-point blowout. It's pitiful, right? Lower bowl's got like 1,000 people left in it. If you have Elon scoring, no one's gone home. Almost no one's gone home. Except for the one guy who's really concerned about beating traffic, and that's a game goal. Because they want to be there for the final game winner.
2: I wonder how many stodgy types there are out there that are gonna resist this kind of change. I don't know.
0: A lot. Except for you wanna know what's gonna really get it done? Legalized yeah. gambling. Because hmm. fans can place bets on who scores the final basket. <laughs>
1: oh, boy. Well Jake, what do you think? Oh, I hate it. But that's all right.
0: Wait, 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 wait! What's the number one thing driving revenue in our in our league? You? TV ratings.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I got it.
0: Okay, what's the biggest problem confronting the league right now? Uh. No one watch. No one wants to watch games live, and they're all on different platforms, and they're all out there in different places biggest. what's the biggest problem in TV, not for us, but in TV, is that no one wants to watch anything live, right? Suddenly will let people bet on who's scoring the final play of the game, and you're increasing your time spent listening by your audience dramatically. This is a
2: no-brainer. Why do you hate it, Jake?
0: Oh,
1: you're fundamentally completely altering the game. How would you compare oh. generations like we often wait, like wait. to
0: do? Why? Because there's like, cause, because... How many fourth quarters actually score more than, like, like, what is it that's changing the game? You want me to do a deep dive analysis on the average points scored by the winning team over the last 15 years in the fourth quarter and just take that number? Not really. then I'm not changing the game at all.
1: But you're fundamentally altering how the game ends.
0: Sure. But I'm not, what numbers am I changing? If the average number is 27.5, we go to 27, like, do we really change how many points people score?
1: Yeah, but you fundamentally changed the, how the game is played, the parameters no. in which the whole game operates.
0: I just made it more interesting in the final five minutes of a blowout, and I made it some strategic differences late in the game, yeah. Okay. Much better, though.
1: uh, uh, In your opinion, much better, sure.
0: Well, I mean, like we changed that we allowed zone defense and not allowed zone. That was a pretty big change. We changed Uh, the hand check rule. That's not nearly
1: as significant as what you're talking
0: about. Oh, I don't know. I might argue that the hand check rule is more significant than any of them.
1: Well, we'll table it for another day.
0: I like it. I like it. But I, by the way, can I just tell you, the Jake, I love you, right? You know that. I do. We're close. I'm your guy. The argument of it changes, therefore it's bad, is the worst argument to anything in society, in history, art, culture, or sport. The argument should be it's so good right now, we don't need to change it, but it's not that good right now. We do need to change it. But the argument of "oh, change is bad" means that we would have segregated schools, Jake. How about that for like an unfair oh, debate? That argument That is completely
1: right there. unfair. But <laughs> also, change for change, shake is rarely good, and sometimes the solution I'm not doesn't. I'm changing for
0: change, shake. I'm changing because I need to keep TV audiences. I'm changing because I've got to keep people engaged. I'm changing because I want to have fans have a better moment at the end of a game. I'm changing for all because it's better.
1: In your opinion. I mean, lots of solutions (laughs) have really, you know, crashed and burned. And then you're left with an inferior product. And I do think that people like sports because they like to compare eras and they like the legitimacy of it all and that it's not a big circus and it's not a big song and dance, that it's not WWE. You know, you tweak everything. It's it's the way it has been. And we're talking about altering how a game ends. It'd be like putting a time limit on baseball.
2: But those those, those, comparisons, those comparisons are already impossible to make, you know? Yep, yeah, we do them Wait, every single, the single time day time on, on this baseball? show. That
0: would be great.
1: We do them every single day on this show. Can,
2: I, I, can we go back to
1: your
0: previous idea? The idea of a time limit on baseball? That sounds wonderful. But it's fundamentally like, altering the seriously, game. Seriously, Baseball is the ultimate. I played in college. I drove across country in 1990 and saw a game in every stadium. I loved this game more than anything on the planet. Like, don't hear this as someone who hates the game. Nothing in the world is more crippled by the idea we can't change because it would alter the game. The game is horrifically boring, way too long, and superstars don't have enough impact on games. It's dreadful right now. And the data shows that most of America thinks it's dreadful.
1: (laughs) Well, if you gave a, uh, a soccer player a hockey stick, I might like bad that sport better too, but I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for jumping on with us. We should continue this discussion at another time, but right now we're we're way late.
0: You're not you're not nominating me for commissioner of either of these sports? <laughs> not
1: yet, buddy. But hey, I'm open minded.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. I'll go back to doing podcasts.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, we love having you on the show, David. We look forward to it. Seriously. Thank you very much.
0: See you, guys.
1: See you. David Luck, radio voice of the Utah Jazz.
2: I've heard you use that argument before.
1: Yeah, I don't agree with his concept there either, so he can compare me to segregated schools all he wants, but I don't agree with his point either.
2: <laughs> yeah. oh. That, that that took it in a different direction, yeah, but,
1: yeah, it did,
2: but but he is right from that standpoint not, that, really. uh, not not changing just because that's the way it's always been done,
1: which is, is not what I said.
2: It's kind of flawed,
1: not fun- not altering the fundamental framework of a sport that <laughs> that has <laughs> rules,
2: hey. And has, you still got you still got to score. You still got to play defense.
1: And by the way, now you saying that we we don't we can't compare generations uh, anyway. I never want to hear Magic Johnson brought up on this show again. <laughs> never.
2: Yeah, but that's, that's never fun to talk. About. It's fun to talk about, but there's no way it's to not really relevant. Prove I don't anything. want to hear
1: about Buck ever again. the <laughs> The '80s Lakers never existed. In fact, I'm coming along with it now. If if it, if it means that we can never talk about the '80s Lakers again, then sign me up for what? Play basketball underwater.
2: I'm in. Okay, let's oh, do wait. it. Who brings up that those days more? Me or you? You do.
1: The ladies' Lakers? No, incorrect. All right, we will have more coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.